While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Back to South Coast tonight. We are joined tonight. I'm Chris McCarthy. As always, Marcus Farrow is here. We're joined by former and maybe future mayor of New Bedford, Scott Lang. Any announcements? Um, any announcements? Yeah. Just any at all announcements? I so we just got through like oh. <laughs> ten minutes of announcements. Right? <laughs> we also have State Senator Scott, uh, State Senator Mark Montigny's on the phone as well with us, joining us tonight. And we're having a sort of a free for all conversation. If you'd like to join us, you might be able to at five zero eight. The only rule is there are no rules. Right? Yeah, you can call us. <laughs> call in. So, um, um, Mark, you were t- starting to tell us how the session's going. So first, I want to thank Scott for allowing uh, me to join in this Friday night free-for-all. I do enjoy listening when the three of you are on. And part of it, although he is going to press me on that question, and I'm honored to answer, I do I do really enjoy the light banter and the kind of free-for-all for the obvious reason. Usually, I'm on as a guest because you invite me mm-hmm. or I have something that I feel is newsworthy that my constituents should hear about, or you guys are calling me out on something you may um, have concerns with. I I don't call in that often because I feel it should be really uh, for the callers. I mean, we get our mouthpiece. We get to put our press releases out and to, you know, come on the show. This is different, though, because I think that you guys do an interesting service, and I, I, I really feel the listening audience agrees that, Friday night when people are in a little more relaxed uh, mood, it's just fun. I like. I just sat and listened. Um, although I don't have all that much interest in baseball, believe it or not, I have other favorite sports. Right. I, I love to listen to you guys uh, talk about it or talk about the local politics and hearing Scott's perspective, um, since he is, uh, in my view, uh, one of the greatest mayors we have ever had serve uh, in New Bedford. Not only those that. I've worked with, but those that um, predated my time that I'm well aware of just from living in the city my entire life. So it, it's just fun to do this, and I appreciate that you don't look at me as kind of a, an intruder on the on the Friday night. No, oh, we're happy to have you. We have pizza here if you want to come by, actually. <laughs> That's very nice of you to say, and, and uh, I, I appreciate your friendship very much. So, so. What is, so what are you thinking about? Tell us yeah, what you're so thinking. The session, a couple of things that I'm excited about and concerned about. Let me start with the concerns. Why not Why not be a downer here? We've come through this period where the entire American economy shut down. And it's easy now 
with things rolling along where we have deeper concerns about inflation and now even the stability of the bank, et cetera, et cetera. It's easy to forget that. In March of 2020, I can remember being in the State House in the Senate President's office when she announced that we would be uh, leaving the building, in a sense, and um, we'll get back to you. <laughs> and I can remember texting my staff saying, take all of our constituent files, anything that you need, a paper that you can't do on the computer, take it, because it seems to me we won't be back here for a few weeks, little that I know um, what we would be facing. And we got through it somehow, although a lot of people have suffered. Uh, Chris knows firsthand mm -hmm. uh, the suffering of long COVID. Uh, we lost a lot of people. Um, and even those of us that were fortunate enough not to lose people lost something. Uh, you know, one of my friends said back months into it that all of our lives have changed, and some just have it much more difficult than others. I mean, we, my family, we struggled for over a year trying to keep my mom out of a nursing home because of the great tragedy that was occurring in nursing homes. And you can't blame most nursing homes, but I'll tell you what you can do is you can realize that before the pandemic, because we were completely unprepared for the pandemic, but many of the nursing homes in our city and region and the state were ill-prepared even to deal with, with infections. Um, so no one should be surprised um, the suffering, uh, but everyone should be concerned and maybe even a bit ashamed. So what I'm hopeful will happen now <clears throat> is that we will learn from those mistakes, demand that healthcare delivery, and, and especially the great disparities in healthcare based on socioeconomics and race and, and um, other uh, demographic factors uh, will be uh, acknowledged and, and worked through because we may never again have the kind of money that has come from the federal government into the states and, and, and down to the local level. It's one thing to see announcements, it seems like every week, of the good news that comes through OPER and other funding sources, but let's not forget that this was what I call as a budget person. Remember, for four years, I managed the state budget. So right. I, I speak Mark was, was uh, the uh, Ways and Means Chair in the Senate for a four-year term. So, uh, I mean, I think and speak differently because of that experience. So I went into the Senate um, with a singular passion to serve Greater New Bedford. So that comes with certain biases and certain philosophies. The secondary passion of absolute power. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and what the means did give me, I wouldn't call it absolute, but and and I shamelessly made sure to direct disproportionate yeah. resources right into my little district with no apology because greatly appreciate too many years we weren't getting it. So, um, but the thing that it made me do is think differently about how we spend money, and it made me more aware that. The worst thing government can do, and something it does very well, sadly, is to spend money as if it was no one's money, right? I mean, when we spend right. our own money, um, <clears throat> right. we're accountable to balance things. Well, the Commonwealth is, is by constitution accountable to balance the budget. But I got to tell you, my first budget, I went in and I started going through maintenance meetings and Tom Birmingham, who was the president, God bless him, 
uh, who was good to me and good to New Bedford, and and, and a sad loss uh, this year um, with with Tom's passing. Um, he called me up one night and he said, "What are you doing with the staff down there? You've been in a fourteen hour maintenance meeting. It's midnight." And I and and he said, "You know, I used to do." those things in an hour you and i said i said look don't pull the harvard law school thing on me you didn't know the budget as well as i do right um, to really learn the budget you had to go through each line item and what i found was tremendous waste you know we have this common thing that a lot of government officials say and it's baloney and they'll say oh we cut all the waste broad and inefficiency well no you haven't because one year that's in that untouchable budget, by the way right yeah exactly right. One year in that budget, I remember saying we should have a zero base, but of course it would take, you know, 90 staff at Ways and Means instead of 30. But my point was, and and to prove the point, one year I wiped out all the earmarks. So think about 40 members who come in during what they call the Senate request meetings to come to the chair and say, you know, what can you do for me, essentially? I wiped all the earmarks out, and a very funny thing happened. Only about half of them were requested. My point being that all this inefficiency, even programs created, they just sat there. And what what do you find? Well, there's three different things that look alike, and all three of those have an executive director or, uh, you know, an inefficient bureaucracy. So how does that relate to this year? Here's my concern. We have all this money that's come down. Um, Cities like New Bedford have a rolling in the dough because of the opera money that flowed through in the state funding. I mean, you, if you think about it, and Scott knows this well because he was such a, a, a relentless advocate for New Bedford's fair share in, in, in local aid and education funding. We can't do education in this region for the most part, particularly in the city, but, but in the greater region that I represent. And we can't do economic development without the state legislature particularly, but also with the governor's um, help for one simple reason. The feds don't do it anymore. They got out of the business a long time ago, although we, we do see some really good earmarks and grants that have come through um, uh, through the work of, of Representative you know, Congressman Keating and, and Senators Markey and Warren. But for the most part, they're out of the education game and they're really out of the economic development game. So all this money comes down. There's a funny thing in budgeting when when funding is one time, even if it comes over several years, if the essence of that program is one time, the worst thing you can do is spend that in an operating, ongoing process because right. you're building a structural deficit, right? right? So I'm <clears throat> concerned with, with two things coming into this session. One, the money's going to start to slow down. And two, and you heard it here, and I hope I'm wrong, and the last time that I, that I preached about it, I was right in 2006, seven, and eight. We were in a Democratic caucus, and everybody was talking about the good times rolling, and was spending like, you know, the 1920s before the before the end. And I got up to talk about my expertise, which I'm not an economist, but I'm a student of the economy, and that doesn't mean much except that there's 200 legislators, and there's very few that, with a straight face, could tell you and back it up that they truly follow markets and the economy and finance. So what I believe, because there's many in the legislature in the House and Senate who have expertise I don't have, and I consult with them and I listen to them, and I'm not ashamed at all to say, if I respect you and your expertise, it's easier for you to get my vote on something that you are passionate about because I respect your expertise. I get up and give 
these lectures, and I had great debates with Jay Gonzalez, who was Secretary of ANF, about some of this stuff. And the more pessimistic that I was, the more right I was. That's how I'm starting to feel now for this reason. We've come through with much more money um, than reality, like out of thin air. And you know what that means. That right. means deficit spending. Not in the Commonwealth, because we balance the budget by, by Constitution. But we have something called 9C in the Constitution, which means that if the revenues slow down, as they did even in the last year of, of my Ways and Means chairmanship, it is exceedingly painful because you are cutting real programs that serve, and you do cut through more of the inefficiency and fat. I would still suggest that you just need to pick your priorities uh, better. So we're in that mode now where everybody thinks, particularly at the local level, we hear from the MMA and from local officials constantly because they want more for local aid, for education, Chapter 70 spending. We're doing the Chapter 90 bill for $350 million next week uh, in the Senate. Uh, it's real money. And, you know, folks joke that a billion dollars ain't what it used to be. But it is when you have to tax people right. to pay the bills. Right. And I'm deeply concerned that, and I believe, without without giving a lecture on economics, I believe both the Trump administration and the Biden administration spent too much, and we will pay. And by the way, anyone who thinks that the only reason we're in this inflationary environment is because of the supply chain and the pandemic doesn't understand economics. Right. We're also in this environment because... We gave away free money right, that's yep. and yep. put interest yes. rates artificially low, yep. which causes an asset bubble. And I think we have an across-the-board asset bubble that's starting to deflate, I hope not pop um, um, rapidly because it hurts people. Like you're seeing some of these banks and, you know, Warren Buffett had this great thing to say, which I'm sorry it's so graphic, but he said, it's not until the tide goes out that you find out who's swimming naked. <laughs> and think about that so when time well, we don't need to think about it but go yeah, ahead i don't i don't want to think about it <laughs> yeah, either, but, right. but but i think it's a great kind of funny quote right to describe what's happening now so all of these foolish fraudulent crypto firms that are going bankrupt as they should because mm -hmm. most of those tokens should never have been created right the banks that funded them should have been regulated more and they belong out of business and even the even the Silicon Valley Bank, which was capitalized by the you know the venture capital industry, they did stupid things and belong shut down because the taxpayer shouldn't be subsidizing the equity holders or the debt holders. How does that affect Massachusetts and the budget and and the, and the priorities I have in the Senate? We're going to see maybe not this fiscal year because we've responsibly built up the rainy day fund, but we're going to see a slowdown, and yet the appetite is infinite. So right, the resources are starting to tighten, but the appetite for priorities is infinite. That's so, a dangerous thing, and I've been through it when I was chair, and the revenues yeah, went off. Look, let's the capital gains went away. Let's take a break on that. Um, can you still hold, Mark? Sure. Great. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Marcus Farrow. And I'm Chris McCarthy. We're here with Scott Lang and State Senator Mark Montigny. Um, uh, Scott, you, you had something? 
Uh, well, Senator, I want to ask you one quick thing, and then I'm going to ask you to read a comic to us. But the first thing I want to ask you is, <laughs> my feeling is that when this debt ceiling issue really begins to percolate in Washington, much more so than right now where it's just all political theater, but when it really gets going, uh, the easy mark is to pull back ARPA money. And I see that coming a mile away at this point. I think the they've started to pull back COVID money everywhere they can find it. They've cut out things like your you know, supplements for WIC. Right. Snap, yeah. yeah. They are they are going to say any ARPA money that hasn't been committed or even ARPA money that has been committed and something hasn't started, they're going to buy their way out of it and pull that money back. So I, I used to say when I was mayor, I wonder what it would be like if I was mayor and I had money. And, you know, I went through, as Mark just said, Right, that, that recession that he was t- just talking about. The nine C cuts. And the nine C cuts were right. miserable, right? But I can see this coming a mile away. And I, I just wondered if you have heard anything like that or you have an opinion on that. Sure. It's a great, tough question. Well, first of all, I, I want to let you know that because I am intruding on your program, but you're also competing with my stay-at-home Friday night TV eat chocolate date and she's been incredibly patient so i just want to let you know i'm out in five minutes so if you got any tough trick questions where you're trying to trip me up get them out in the next how time. do you feel about rent control i mean i mean you have an opportunity to vote on it because it's a home rule petition so you know i really wish that i had not <laughs> used the line the only thing i only answer is questions right. yeah. um, so he is on this one though um Although I have not heard any rumors, Scott, I think it's very relevant and in the broader sense, really troubling. Here's why. So I won't bore you with my opinion on the debt ceiling uh, debacle or, or just the growing. Well, we just asked control. you about rent control. Nope. No, 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 no. I'm, I, I, no, I'm going the other the first one first. You, Marcus, you know you can't win that with me. You can't <laughs> beat me with your spider web. Um, he is our own spider Stay away from spiderweb, particularly if you're a fly. Um, so very important to think about this because even if you don't want to focus on the deficit, the growing annual budget deficits and the, and, and the mounting debt, and I'm not here to do that because I understand my domain, the district I represent, and the job I serve in. So I, I, I may care about what happens down in dysfunctional Congress, but I don't really spend a lot of time talking about it in somebody else's job. I do, though, worry because of what Scott has just said in that question and the broader implication that if things get as desperate as they might, if we head towards a recession, you know, the greatest bubbles pop with the greatest uh, uh, and, and, and most ferocious outcome, right? So I believe, and I hope I'm wrong, this is like you have to decide where you come down and what school of thought you take in uh, you know, from the economists and, and, and financial pros, uh, prognosticators that you consult with or listen to. And for me, it's read, listen, and consult. Um, you have to decide ultimately where you stand on it. Where I stand is on the pessimistic side. I believe that when you have interest rates this low and you have fiscal and monetary policy that has been more generous and some of it very urgently needed. I mean, for instance, in the supplemental billion-dollar budget we did this week, we're making up for the cuts of the federal government on SNAP and and, and other um, uh, programs. So 
why is that potentially dangerous? Because we've now built these programs in, some of them that are either extending entitlements or creating entitlements. And if the federal government, not if, but when they walk away, whether it's pulling back on APA or doing other things as we go down the road, the state then has to make it up at a time when all of the revenue sources are turning down. In other words, the money has been flowing in because of increased federal money, but also because of a tremendous increase in tax revenues. So all of a sudden that hits at once. That's what leads to the kind of painful 9C cut that even a cold-hearted person who thinks there's no inefficiency, uh, uh, excuse me, who thinks the budget is all uh, fat, and inefficiency, and I don't, of course. I think that's an extreme view. But I'll tell you what, as you know, Scott, running a city, which to me is one of the toughest political jobs there is. Greatest um, job uh, in America. Greatest job in America. But it's also one of the most challenging. You may not say that because you want to be humble tonight because you know that we'll make sport of you, uh, as you will when I'm off the phone, uh, aimed at me. Oh, as soon as you're off the phone, but I still have a microphone, so I can't wait. Uh, and that's my whole point. And instead of my, you know, watch TV, eat chocolate date, I'll be like having one earbud in the ear just seeing what you guys say. I'm a politician. Don't think I'm not paranoid. So what, what I'm most troubled about, and I don't think this is imminent in the next three months, six months, because it's such a, such a lag. Just as we're seeing the lag catch up now in the nine interest rate increases since Powell started his his. Um, um, interest rate increases. We're seeing in, in a, if, if you look at some of the blow-ups, my fear is that the banking crisis gets worse. Well, what happens when banks tighten lending standards? You know what happens. We head into a recession. Oh, no, and we're the first and ones to feel it always, right? We're yeah. the first ones. Absolutely. So all I'm saying, I'm not trying to the party because I still think there's room and I certainly will very aggressively pursue my priorities both in legislation. Are one and of those priorities rent control? What? So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> ignore, ignore the host. Ignore you know, you know, the host. You know what's funny? In all my years, and Scott can attest to this, Marcus, in all my years, I spend very little, there are some exceptions, but very little of my time or energy, and particularly with a public microphone, criticizing other elected officials or even making comments on their priorities. Because when they do it to me, I'm ready for a boxing match. So, right. Let me so, say one thing, though, that is important. <laughs> Mark has always been an advocate for affordable housing. On any project we've ever been involved with, that's one of his priorities. So this, yeah, you know, this rent control issue versus affordable housing versus making sure we're not gentrifying is a very complicated issue. But I don't think there are very few people that I've ever met other than the kids in New York. I knew that somehow had a hundred and fourteen dollar a month rent control apartment. Uh, rent control does not promote economic development. No, but one of the things I'll tell you what we will do uh, in this budget, and we still won't do enough, we will see hundreds of millions of dollars in increased affordable housing. Great, um, great. And, and, and other, that's a solution. You know, yes, that's yeah, a solution. Yeah, but now, like no one should act. But unfortunately, Chris, what a lot of the politicians act as if even if we do double what we will do in this budget, we'll, it won't be enough to, to bring down the waiting list. It won't be enough because remember, it's not just – 
affordable housing. It's also making sure that young families that want to buy a home right, can right. afford to buy a home. Yeah, very yeah. important. That, that's the really most important part, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, I want to end with one thing I want to mention because I had a lot of bills and, and budget priorities I wanted to talk about, and Scott gave me the opening, but there'll be other times for that. One thing I do want to say, though, because it's, it, it, it's a long-time fight and something that angers me. So I like to have fun sometimes when I'm in a fight because when you – when you're fighting against special interests and lobbyists, it can actually be really fun because it's sort of like the David and Goliath thing if you win. So we got this wonderful company in Massachusetts called Moderna. And this company wouldn't exist if it weren't for the fact that some very brilliant minds discovered some important things, right? However, most of these big pharma companies and biotech companies are gorging on public funding. For whether it's university-based research, whether it's grants that they apply for, whether it's emergency COVID funding, Moderna wouldn't exist without public funding. And yet the minute the federal government started to wean off the federal budget COVID vaccines, Moderna quadrupled the price of the vaccine. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a shot, a cannonball straight into their bow I'm going to enjoy that they'll hire lobbyists and waste their money and fight. And I think the public will be on my side. I've been fighting Big Pharma for 20 years with very little success, frankly, because in Massachusetts, so in Congress, it's mainly the Republicans who have protected Big Pharma. Let's face it, 75, 80 percent of the money goes into the pockets uh, of or the campaigns of these folks. They should be ashamed of themselves, what we've done and how we've allowed this industry to take advantage of of patients, but also the taxpayer, because remember, the taxpayer in Massachusetts buys hundreds of millions of dollars in drugs for um, Medicaid, for uh, um, free care um, programs, for the indigent, for uh, the senior pharmacy program that I actually created many, many years ago, the subsidy for, for all seniors. Um, and they go into quadruple the price. So what we're going to do is use them as an example uh, and, and, and let's see who stands up, because the one thing people don't realize in Massachusetts, where both the House and the Senate and the leadership has been controlled mainly by Democrats, the, the biotech industry, which used to be the people who came into the state house with white coats on and they were entrepreneurs and they were in labs and they were at the teaching hospitals. Brilliant. They had an idea. Great. But now what has happened is most of the biotech industry has morphed into or been bought by or merged with big pharma. So they still play the game. And, and we have this subsidy program. We have a billion-dollar program for the biotech industry, which, by the way, I voted against every single time. And I can't wait to be on the 36 to 4 vote again this year. Sad because I'd rather be on a 21 uh, to 19 vote. But can you imagine that we subsidize the industry and they're going to quadruple the price of a vaccine when we're trying to say to people, we want you to be boosted until we beat this thing down. Right. And it, so I'm going to end by saying that in Massachusetts, we have no one else to blame it on because it has been a marriage of the Democratic leadership with the biotech industry that has has. Um, Every time I tried, I fought. And remember now, as chairman of Ways and Means, I won most fights. That's what happens when you chair Ways and Means. Um, and I came down to the end of a budget 
I filed a section. Uh, you still remember the number, 271. I'm Rain Man when it comes to only those things. And it was simple bulk purchasing. It was basically saying, like, if you are buying cars for the state police with state taxpayer money, you don't go to 100 dealers and say, give me a car, right? You go and you wholesale 100 fleets and you save the taxpayer money. So we all it did was say, we will put all of the state purchasing power together and demand a better price. That's all they're trying to do in the Congress, by the way, and it keeps getting killed. Um, and Tom Finneran was the Speaker of the House who was negotiating at times through his chair, but also thwarting me directly, which was a compliment to me. I love, I love as a ways and means chair when you can fight the Speaker of the House. Um, and guess where he ended up four months after the budget was signed? He ended up working for the biotech industry. So for my entire career, I've watched any effort to push back the pharmaceutical industry thwarted because of the lobbyists and the special interests. So this Moderna one, to me, although it's only one drug we're talking about, it's sort of a line in the sand on where do you stand? Taxpayer subsidy and all the emergency funding during the Trump presidency, helped these, the discovery of these drugs. And now what? Yeah. So, no, that's yeah, a people's fight. I think, and yeah, I think that's it, an Ma important fight. Mark, I, I, I got to take this break, but I appreciate you joining us this evening. And I look forward to talking with you more about uh, taking on Moderna um, and, uh, I, 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 and rent control. And rent control. <laughs> well, no. you know, I can say one thing about Moderna. <laughs> um, and I, I, this is the first place I've talked about it. So the bill's filed, so it is public. But this is Scott. Scott Lang gave me the opening, so this is no, no. This is important, and, and I, I think it's very bill. important to hear your view on it. And, and you're exactly right. You've been fighting uh, the the big pharma medical provider sector when it comes to things that you believe are against the interests of the people, and I appreciate that very much. And I know you've always done that, and you've always been a uh, a lone runner on a lot of those fights. Which is important. I mean, you you came up with an analogy that I think is important, and that's that some things you get on up and you fight about, and that's exactly true. That's what you do, and that's why we appreciate I'm it. I'm up against this break, but, Senator, thanks for joining us. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. 1420 WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. Come have your voice heard right now on South Coast Tonight. Call 508-996-0500 or send an app chat message on the WBSM app. Now, back to Chris and Marcus. <laughs> Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. We're here with um, Scott Lang. Scott Lang, and uh, we, we want to say thank you to Senator Mark Montigny that's for big, joining us. That's big news. That was huge news yeah, on Moderna. He, bro he, he broke something that you didn't have. Here's the right. thing. Chris and I get, we break news. Right. That's what we do. We we have pizza and we break news. <laughs> right. That's what we do. That's what we do here. Scott. Um, so, so I want to say one yeah, thing about, about uh, Senator Montigny, who he started out by saying he loves us. I mean, we, right. we love him. He's a good right. guy. But I want to say something that's really kind of funny. You reminded me of something. If you find me around town reading a newspaper, it's going to be maybe the sports section of the Globe, the New York Post, or the Boston Herald. 
you know, and I've already looked at the right. the, the globe, right? Uh, standard times, you know, you can't you can't wrap fish in the standard no, times anymore. It's, it's very unfortunate. It's not enough. I like that. You can't wrap fish in. That's pretty good. You know, it's terrible, though. It's just yeah. Ter- I mean, I'm so upset about the idea that we don't have a local newspaper. Right. That's why you get three non-binding ballot questions, okay? I mean, That's the whole the thing is a killer, you know, right. just a killer. we got a giant vacuum. But here, here's what I do want to say, that I've seen Mark or Senator Montigny I, in three, di- three different times in places where I, you know, at a diner or, okay. or, you know, outside on a bench. And every time I've seen him, he's been reading the Wall Street Journal. Really? Yes. And he mentioned that. And I thought, wow, you know, that's absolutely 100%. If I had to testify under oath, whole truth, nothing but the truth. When I have seen him and he's reading a paper, he's reading a Wall Street Journal. And I know. And when I say he's reading it, he's got it folded up oh, yeah. in ways. He's actively reading He's reading it. Yes. It's not, it's not, he doesn't have it. as It's not a prop. It's not a prop. Right? So I will... Talk to him about market stuff, whatever's going on, news about. He's always way ahead of you. I mean, he really follows the markets. He knows what's going on. He understands market forces. He really does. Um, It's very impressive. Yeah, no, it really is. And and, and when he said that he did the state budget for four years, your chair of Ways and Means in the Senate, you're doing the state budget. I mean, you you are doing the state budget. Eventually, it's got to be reconciled. But the three budgets that come in, basically, the governor's budget, and then there's the House Ways and Means, the Senate Ways and Means. Uh, Senate Ways and Means is, is driving is driving the uh, the bus there when it comes down to reconciling it. What I want to do, if, if it makes sense to you, is uh, uh, I brought a couple of comics. We love the comics. Very interesting. Now, I've my confidence has been somewhat shattered lately with these comics because... Uh, one went over Marcus's head a few sessions ago. It did. And then the last one I did. Which but that was my own. That was me. I wasn't learned enough for the. Uh... Well, he got. I really spoiled him with my Ed McMahon like laughter at, at every turn for years. And you were you were unavailable momentarily. You'd like you had left for him. I think he went to get water or something. Yes. Yeah, the Great Expectation debacle. It was the Great Expectations debacle that, yeah. that shattered Scott Lang's it, it, brimming confidence. For months I've had a tough time just like walking the street not thinking <laughs> someone's thinking about that Great Expectations comment. <laughs> well, we, actually, about, we got mail about that. There's yeah. no doubt. Right. There's no doubt. But I, I do want to say one thing though. Uh, I rebounded somewhat with the comic, The Little Engine That Couldn't Be Bothered. The li- you did. You that, did. That came back. That uh, killed. That, that was killed. good. Excellent. Yeah. And the kind of comic that leads you to it was, back on your feet. It was, it was um, your Karnak moment. I, I believe that's right. Sands the turban. Yes. I, I think that it, it uh, restored my confidence in the idea that you can read a comic over the radio and it's enjoyable by all. Yes. Now, I have a comic here that I saw. Uh, uh, by the way, I collect these, uh, but these are it's not as if I saw this comic last week. Right. This is, this is a comic that I uh, saw probably within the last couple of months, pulled it out and thought, this is a clever comic, and I think it resonates to a large audience by way of radio. Okay. So what I want to do is... <laughs> I, I see now. I used to think that that was like 
an Ignore the man. <laughs> no, I thought it was an affirmation. Now I'm wondering. You think he, what, you think what laughing at you? Like, is he mocking me? All right, so here we go. It's possible. Here we go. Ready? Here, here it is. All right, so this, this comic is a bizarro. This comic comes with all the all the trimmings of bizarro in the left-hand column, a little slice of blueberry pie in the right-hand upper section a flag that has king's crowns on it it's a courtroom scene it for whatever reason has a stick of dynamite against uh, a door jam and it is a person dressed as a jester as a court jester appearing before a judge a person dressed as a jester as a jester appearing before a judge who has a gavel on her bench she's dressed in a judge's uniform she looks extremely extremely uh, impressive, deliberate, judicious. And the person who is dressed as a jester is holding in his hand a jester puppet on a stick with both the jester puppet on the stick's face and the person dressed as a jester's face looking directly at the judge. Okay. And what the individual dressed as a jester, is saying to the judge is the following. Yes, I'm familiar with the adage, comma, nonetheless, I stand by my choice of representation. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. A couple of lawyers here are yucking it up over the... (laughs) I I need to have this verified as to whether I have described it correctly. Authenticated. We want to authenticate this. Mm-hmm. Chris? All right, so I agree with you. It's a female judge. Um, it's a, um, a a court jester holding a hand puppet of a of a of a court jester. It reads, "Yes, I am familiar with the adage. Nonetheless, I stand by my choice of representation." Thank you. It's um, perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Now, you made a perfect representation. Thank you very much. Now, I have another one. And this one, Marcus will authenticate after I've read it. This happens to be, and that this is, I don't want anyone to think these are the only comic strips that I look at. But let's, this, let's tease this one out. Let's take a break, and then you, then you can read it. Very good. good. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> So Scott, you got that on. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a very quick one, then I'm going to do the grand finale. This Thank is you. a very quick one. This is a plugger. This kind of sums up, I, I think people will absolutely... You like plugger. You select plugger quite a bit. Interesting. Yes. Interesting column. The, these, are, these are ideas people write in to the comic strip, and I think that uh, most people... Wait, wait a second. No, I didn't. Most people will, uh, will find this to be amusing. A TV is blaring the following. Winter Storm Katie is coming on the heels of Winter Storm Jacob, which could collide with Winter Storms Leona, Mara, and Nova. And there's a plugger sitting on the couch listening to this TV. And the caption is, Pluggers remember when snowstorms were just called snowstorms. 
<laughs> I never knew I was a plugger. I like that, Scott. Let me ask you a question. What's the turnaround time from when you send that in to when you see it appear in plugger? Yeah, that can I say usually a few days. All right, All right next, yeah. Um, I can honestly say under oath, I've never sent anything into Plugger. Well, I, I honestly can say under oath, I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> now, I also want to affirm something. It's very important. You have never, neither of you have ever seen the comics that I read before no. I read them. That is no. true. Ever. Yeah. They're, they're in a, um, how did Johnny Carson used to say? They're in a sealed envelope. Yes. In a, in a jar. Yes. That is um, also sealed. Um the lockbox. It's the Al Gore lockbox. Yes, Gore lockbox. All right, now this is a comic. I thought this was a great comic. This is a Bizarro also. This is maybe a couple of months ago as well. It is a picture of Donald Duck. Donald Duck. Pinocchio. Pinocchio. The back of Minnie Mouse's head. Oh, oh boy. boy. And, <laughs> Where's this and going? Goofy yeah. All right. sitting around a poker table with poker chips and all of them holding hands of cards. Okay. Pinocchio's nose is growing during the course of this game. And what Donald Duck is thinking is he's bluffing. What Minnie Mouse is thinking is he's bluffing. What Goofy is thinking is he's bluffing. There is no caption over Pinocchio other than his nose continues to grow. <laughs> <laughs> now, I... If you would, Marcus, I'd like I, I would, to yeah, authenticate like that. For yeah, yeah, I would, I'd love to. In line with that, Scott, what do you think of the stories we're being told by the wind industry about the whales that are dying? That 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 is is uh, Pinocchio's horrific. nose growing? That is horrific. Horrific. That is something that if you had done there, there is the also environmental a, impact study beforehand, you might have seen if in fact there is an unintended consequence from these sonic booms that right. they're creating determining the bottom of the ocean I mean that's not natural never happened before and it's something that's happening that's very disastrous out there Scott um, I've, I heard from some so fishermen I, well, today Go ahead. I, this is important I want to authenticate that what Scott yes, Scott said please, was accurate I want to also add that there is a there is an alien in the top right corner kazoo no, it's not kazoo. It's just a little Martian. It looks like the Martian from The Simpsons in the top left corner. There is. And also the other thing that we should mention is there's a stick of dynamite on the back of Goofy's chair. Oh, yeah, there is. That's curious. Will you authenticate it now? I can. There is a stick of dynamite there. You wonder. Hmm. Yeah, you hope that card game goes well for Goofy. Right. You do because he's a beloved character. Yeah. I think though, that much like the whales, Pinocchio's bluff like may go through. <laughs> Pinocchio's bluff may actually go through here. Um, I think that that uh, you can't, if you're worried about the habitat, if you're worried about the species, right. you can't give an industry a blank check and then say, "Well, you can mitigate later." That doesn't work. They don't do it with the fishing industry. Right. They shouldn't do it with drilling. They shouldn't do it with wind. Scott, we're hearing about <clears throat> things like dead conch. Possibly fluke not available anymore to fishermen. There's all kinds of things. Dead dolphins. There's all kinds of stuff the, coming the, about. The, the Habitat Committee is, as they said themselves, I never do this. I'm doing air quotes now. You are. Right? We're four years behind. The Habitat Committee, if they had been on top of this, would know now 
whether or not the these type of uh, literally negative impacts were taking place because of what's going on in this pre-construction. Phase. Is that the reason they didn't ask the question? Maybe that they maybe they didn't do the study. Well, they 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 all they deferred to Bohm. Okay, and and now they're realizing that by deferring to Bohm, you're probably violating the Magnuson Stevens Act. Okay. Well, happy weekend, everybody. Uh, that's it. Thank you. Thank oh, you so much, for, Scott. One thing. Yeah. Uh, 490 Vietnam Vets 499 at, at uh, Freetown uh, VFW. Yep. Sunday is the recognition. Right over 18. 12 o'clock. Okay, great. Right over 18. Good group of men out there and women. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, I remember when you could gamble out there. They, they don't do that anymore. <laughs> so. Stay tuned this weekend. we got Brian, Ken, Jess, and uh, Jim Phillips on Sunday. And then we'll be back Monday. We've got a jam-packed schedule um, for you guys next week. You're going to want to stay tuned. I mean, I've got every day. We 